We want to welcome you all to All of It United Methodist Church here in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. My name is Randy Tabor. This is a very friendly, friendly congregation. We trust that you're having a very post-resurrection experience. We'll be turning now to our order of service. We do send out a number of bulletins each and every week, and if you would like to have a bulletin in advance, our opening hymn is Purple Hymnals number 308. This morning, um, Thine Be the Glory, probably a familiar hymn for those who are not with us. We can kind of sing out to the television, and we're going to have some accompaniment today, and we have a number of announcements too, and I just want to emphasize that everyone is invited to celebrate Joyce Peter's birthday on Sunday, today the 11th at 3 p.m. at her apartment, and she has recently billed onto her apartment so she can accommodate all kinds of folks. That's at 5401 69th Avenue North, apartment 312. And you also you'll notice in our bulletin there's an order of outline kind of you to hang your particular thoughts on during the sermon and kind of three or four points that we deal with. Again, we want to welcome all those by way of television this morning as we worship. We like to always begin promptly and there are those who have come early. Thine be the glory. Thine be the glory. Purple hymnals number 308. Purple hymnals. in the 
Thank you. You may be seated. Father, we just want to thank you again for this morning, this post-resurrection morning as we prepare our, our praises unto you. And as you rose again, Don, we, we thank you, Father, that truly thine be the glory. We pray for those by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook and others that are joining us. We pray, Father, that you would minister to those by ways of means of our orientation. We thank you, Father, this morning for our Sunday school class we, from 9 to 9045, and we thank you now that as we go to worship here from 10 to 11, we thank you, Father, for those that are hearing, hearing us. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would view us in a way that the Almighty and the everlasting God as we bring our gifts of song and scripture and message today, gifts, and as they, we lay them at your altar, we, we remember the crowds in Jerusalem who laid their cloaks on the road shouting Hosanna as Jesus passed. We know they were looking for a, a Messiah who was different from who you sent Jesus to be, not one of political power and military might, but one who came in compassion and mercy and love to heal, to love, and to save. Search our hearts as we worship that we might be confident that the Messiah, the Messiah for whom we long, is the one you know we need. Jesus the Christ, your anointed one, in whose name we pray as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're joining us by way of television, or radio, or Facebook, or other means, Communication. Our scripture reading is Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. We also have Bibles provided here at all of it, United Methodist Church, and we always encourage everybody not to only listen to scripture, 
being read, but to follow along. That's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, and Mike is coming, and he's going to be giving a, a lay talk about the, the road and the fellowship of those who walked to Emmaus. So listen and follow along in your Bibles in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and following. You and I, we have walked many roads in our lives as we've grown up. There was occasions where I even walked to school. We oftentimes would walk to our neighbors. I grew up in a neighborhood that was very religious, very devout. Um, in fact, they didn't want to claim any notoriety by being any particular denomination. And they were referred to as black socks or two by twos because they, they believed that as they walked, they needed to talk about Jesus. So I grew up amongst farmers and members of a very conservative evangelical group that wherever we walked, we'd always talk about Jesus. And Mike Eckel was one of my best friends growing up, and he was like four or five years older than me. And they would have Bible studies on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and then they'd have Sunday worship. So even before I started going to church, I, I went to meetings that they would hold within their homes. And occasionally during MEA weekend, which was a, always a four-day weekend, they would have what they considered their conferences. And it was interesting that for a five-state area, they'd come back, they'd, they'd congregate during MEA weekend um, in Eagle Bend, Minnesota, and they had some big, big buildings in that, and hundreds and thousands of people would come back. And you'd see them out walking. And they, were, they were really great exercisers. They would walk, and they'd talk about Jesus. And probably about every hour, they'd have a Bible study during that four-day convention. And it grew so much that they had to have two particular weekends, and it was normally the MEA weekend and either the preceding weekend or the following weekend. And I oftentimes think of those meetings that met in Eagle Bend, my hometown, and how they would exercise and how they would walk. And oftentimes they would carry their Bibles, and they'd, when they were talking about Scripture, they'd, they'd read Scripture as they were walking and as they were talking. And I thought about this particular scripture here in Luke chapter 24, how the walk to Emmaus, we have a, a picture in our fellowship room that I look at, and I, I see these two disciples following Jesus, and I, they're, they're talking about the Lord, and they're talking about the crucifixion and the death and the resurrection of Christ. And they're talking about the, you know, it was almost like they were talking about gossip. They were gossiping about the fact that no one could discover the remains of Jesus. So this brings us to our scripture, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and following. Now on that same day, two, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking, say it with me, talking with each other about all these things that happened. And while they were talking, and while they were discussing, Jesus himself came near and, he, and went with them. 
Now, Jesus wants to talk to you and I today, and Jesus wants to talk to you and I today. But it says, and I hope your eyes aren't that way this morning, but it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I hope you recognize Jesus in the singing the hymns and the scripture and the message today and in the fellowship that we have one with another. And Jesus said to them, what are you discussing? Jesus says, what, you're talk- what are you talking about with each other while you're, while you're walking along? They stood still. Can you envision what's happening here now? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered Jesus, Are you the only? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here in these last days? And Jesus asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and how our chief leaders handed this Jesus over to be condemned to death and and crucified him. And what was their hope in? In the next scripture it says, but we, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, set up kind of a political movement. Yes, and besides, besides all this, it is now the third day, the third day since these things took place. And moreover, some women, some women of our group astounded us. The women astounded us. See, women are still astounding, men and women, boys and girls, even today, because women oftentimes not only live longer, but they're more faithful in worship than, than men. And it says, these women, they were at the tomb early this morning, early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and they told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that this Jesus who was crucified, dead and buried, was now what? Alive. And some of, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, now, Jesus is saying, now, Jesus could be addressing you and I at this moment, but he said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart. You know, we don't want to be foolish, folks. We don't want to be slow of heart. But Jesus says, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Now, Jesus was unrecognizable at this time. I mean, they were just so lost in grief. Was it, but he says, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things? He was taking him to a Sunday school lesson right now. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and, and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus began interpreting to them the things about himself in all of the scriptures. And as they came to the village to which they were going, it seemed to appear that he walked ahead, ahead of them. Imagine this, walking ahead of them as they were going on. But they urged, 
it was the disciples. They, they urged two of the disciples, two of the followers, but they urged Jesus strongly saying, stay with us. I'm hoping that you're urging Jesus to stay with you. Stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus, he went in to stay with them. And when Jesus was at the table, imagine this, when Jesus was at the table with them, Jesus took the bread, he blessed the bread, and he, and he broke the bread, and, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus. And then Jesus vanished from their sight. And then they began to talk amongst themselves and discuss among themselves to each other, were not our hearts, our hearts burning within us? While this Jesus was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us, that same hour, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. I, I could just imagine them being like track stars, where once they were walking and once they were talking, now they were, they were breathing heavy and they were, they were really moving strong because that same hour, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11, 11 disciples and, they, and their companions and, and they all gathered together. They had a worship, a real worship time. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed. The Lord has risen indeed. And the Lord has appeared to Simon, Simon Peter. And then they told what had happened on the road and how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. And may, amen. Thank you. Good morning, brothers and sisters. You see, when we start out our scripture today, two of the Lord's followers were walking to Emmaus, which is only seven miles or a few hours walking after the discovery of the empty tomb. They were going to Emmaus because that's probably where they lived. As they walked, they discussed that day's events. They were talking about the news from the women about the angels and the empty tomb. They were probably also discussing their missionary plans and their own personal experience of Jesus. As they were walking, a stranger joined them and asked them what they were talking about. Cleopas improperly answered that question with a question. He asked the stranger if he were the only one in Jerusalem that hadn't heard about what happened. They didn't recognize Jesus because his identity was kept from them or held. The word here for kept is a passive verb, meaning God was actually acting on them so that they wouldn't recognize Jesus. The Lord gently wanted to correct them because they were making a mistake. They were discussing their own personal consequences and feelings about the Lord's empty tomb and his, and his death. They also lost a, lost a very close friend and teacher. But what they weren't discussing, what they weren't talking about, was the godly universal impact the empty tomb's presence had on the entire world. Not just them, but everybody in the world was affected by that empty tomb. That needed some correction. So Clopas was surprised the stranger didn't know about the empty tomb and asked, where have you been? Cleopas explained that things that happened to Jesus, including incorrectly naming him a prophet, was mighty indeed in word. He also explained how the chief priests and rulers condemned Jesus to death by crucifixion. And lastly, how the Tua had hoped that he would redeem Israel. Besides that, it had been three days since his crucifixion. He, computed, he continued on 
how the angel, how the women had reported the empty tomb, and how the angels had reported to them that he was not there, he was alive. Then they reported to the stranger that they had gone to the tomb and found it just as the women had described, empty, minus the claws. The stranger retorted that they were foolish and slow of heart for not catching what Moses and Isaiah had prophesied about regarding Jesus. It's interesting that the disciples here felt comfortable enough to openly talk publicly about Jesus. This was something they weren't, they would have been punished if they'd done it before. So I found that interesting. And the stranger described and explained the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures. Now Jesus didn't punish them. Notice this. He didn't punish them for missing the point. What he did was correct them and put them in the right direction. But what he was really doing was preparing them for his revelation. Oh, this Jesus. And when they ate, that's what Jesus was preparing them for. The two arrived at destination, and the unknown, G- unknown Jesus wanted to keep moving on. They said, no, 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 don't, please. He was comes up with us. That was big time in that time. That was a big message. So Jesus relented. He did not go, and he sat down to eat with the two disciples. But what he did was he, he took the bread, he broke it, and gave thanks. Whoa, it's Jesus. That's when they noticed who it was who actually had shared the road with them and sat down to eat. But once they noticed it was Jesus, he was gone. Something I want you all to notice first, though, was how Jesus got there. They invited him. They wanted his presence. They didn't even know who he was, and they still welcomed him to sit down and eat with him. So they really displayed human nature. But like I say, when they were with him, what were they talking about? How they were depressed. How they were sad. How they had lost a teacher. How they lost a friend. They missed the point. They were also probably talking about how kind, loving, and generous he was and how much they missed him. You see, an indifference to the world's events and words on you kind of deals with us the same way. When we hear something disappointing or bad, we tend to, at least metaphorically, close our eyes and shut our ears off. But that's improper. Do you know why? Because Jesus, every moment of every day, of every month, of every year, Jesus is right here. He's in this room. He's with you. He hears you. He sees you. No point shutting that off. It's destruction. Matthew 20, 20 says it. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Unfortunately, I have to say that these two disciples' reaction probably wasn't much different than a lot of us, how, how a lot of us would act. Think about it. We run into angels normally, regularly, and we don't recognize them. How much worse would it be to actually share the company of the Lord Jesus Christ and not realize how, he, how who it is that you're sharing space with? Discern, brothers and sisters, discern. You can never have enough discernment. That stranger you're meeting or that conversation you're having with that stranger, it might be an angel. We don't know. That's why we have to discern. So there should never be an issue about whether or not the Lord is present. Of course he is. He always is. The real issue is our own. We need to recognize him. We need to discern him. We need to discern his words. We need to discern his actions. 
when good things happen to us, it's not just, oh, something nice that happened. It could be a blessing from God himself. These two prophets or disciples were just merely discussing what happened to them. And then when the Lord revealed himself and he disappeared, they thought, oh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. They thought, oh, we thought maybe when he started talking about scripture and prophecy, it was him. But they didn't act on it. Don't ever let that happen to us or you. If you feel a prompting, you get a word, you feel something in your soul and spirit, act on it. If it is from God, you'll never be wrong. So they both rose up from the table and headed back to Jerusalem, which, like I said, was only about seven miles. They met the other disciples and shared their story. Verse 34 says what we all like to hear and share. He has risen indeed. They shared the story with the other disciples about the road and their meal when Jesus disappeared and brought it to a universal impact, not just personal. Thank you. Thank you. Would you please stand with me for a word of prayer? Thanks, Mike. You put a lot of time and energy in that. Father, we just want to stand on your promises, and we thank you for Mike and all the preparation and the work that he puts into his lay sharing. And we, we pray for his beloved wife, Tina, as she works at a law office and puts in so many hours. And, and, and Father, we just pray that she doesn't want to miss any more days or opportunities. I know she wanted to be with us in Sunday school class today at 9 o'clock and then also in worship and our administrative board um, immediately following our worship service. We just pray, Father, that you bless Tina as Mike has been a blessing to her and she's been a blessing to, to Mike. Bless the many health concerns now and, and we pray your blessings upon uh, may the meditation my heart and words of my my mouth be acceptable to you in Jesus name amen amen thank you you may be seated I'm looking forward to Joyce's activities this afternoon at three o'clock that'll that'll be pretty neat do you think you can fit us all in your apartment no well television audience and uh, radio folks they'll probably get after the fact so they'll probably trickle in you know in the next few days to celebrate there's not too many times that, you know, you can say that you're celebrating, what, is it 91? 95. Oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Then. 95 years. Now, Joyce, amen. And I think Warren, Warren is 98, and he's going on 99 when? Doug? November 16th. And, boy, we're going to celebrate his life, too. I mean, that's, that's great. 99. And I mean, the, you know, he's going to be sharing with us some Sunday too, right? That's still in the plan, okay? Mike and you, Mike and myself, we might have to just step aside and just let Warren just share. With, yeah, I mean, he's a, I mean, he just got it just kind of trickled out of his mouth. But I mean, it's he's going to just really let us have it, you know. And and I'm looking forward to that date and time. And um, I might be front and center and I invite you too Mike because you're prior military and we have some military questions to ask him and I think Warren served the Lord how many years would you say Doc? How many years? Christian? Probably more years than we walked the earth you know you know I just wish that I would have sat down you know and I 
began my ministry some 50 years ago. I had World War I vets that, you know, I did services for, and then World War II vets, and now World War II vets, you know, are just, they're absent from the body and present with the Lord, and it's getting so Korean vets. I have a Korean vet uh, next Monday, and, and now we're finding that Vietnam vets and Gulf and Desert Shield, you know, it's just um, spoke at a memorial service for, we have a memorial wall not too far from here for the Gulf War vets, and it's just a kind of a tragedy that that a number of those funerals were because of suicide. You know, suicide is just a devastating, and, and I was, a, you know, for 20-some years, I was a psychologist, a shrink for suicide and violence prevention, and it was mandatory when people would drill, you know, a weekly drill. It was mandatory at that time that if you were going to drill and get paid, you had to go through my classes. So, I mean, there was impetus for people to come. And it was, it was so heartwarming when individuals would say, you know, that through Christ, through Christ, you touched my heart and, you know, you really saved my life because the amount of drug abuse and alcohol abuse and, you know, suicide among our young men and women. There was only one during my period. It was Cody Lee. He was a famous hockey star up in um, Duluth, Minnesota that took his life. And for some reason, he got around the classes. And little Cody Lee hung himself in his basement. And just the trauma of that to his family, you know, wealthy family up in and the range, Duluth, Duluth area, and how it affected, you know, the guard and how it affected the military. And even to this day, you know, people will come to me and I conducted his, his service and there's just, he was a hockey star and people turned out. I mean, there's people standing all over the place. And I led that entire group as I closed in the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Prayer and in the Salvation Prayer and explained salvation so, so simply that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in things we've done and things that we've left undone, things that we committed and things that we omitted in our lives, and that we needed to confess that the fact that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Then that was the A, admit. The B was that we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, kind of move our belief from our head to our heart, and then C, we need to confess him. Confess him as our Lord and Savior. And we see this confession being carried out now here in, on the road to Emmaus because we all walk life. We're all kind of walking life. You've heard me many times that if, if we're going to walk the walk, we need to talk the talk. And especially if we're going to talk the talk of Christianity, we better make sure that we walk the walk. Once we say something, we better make sure that we practice kind of what we preach. Um, the history, the history that's contained in these verses is, is not found, is not found in any of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. It's not found there, but it's only found in Luke's Gospel, Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke's Gospel. And of all the, the 11 appearances, how many appearances of Christ? 11. 11 appearances of Christ after his resurrection None, perhaps, is so interesting as the one described in this passage of Scripture. 
That's why I like to really emphasize, you know, scripture. And I know that many, by way of television and radio, they really appreciate kind of emphasizing you know, scripture and kind of pausing. Sometimes we have a tendency, we get front and center and we want to, you know, we're so passionate, we kind of rush through scripture and we don't properly wait and pause. And in the word is the most important thing, important thing, irregardless what maybe Mike or you or I can say from the pulpit, the reading of God's word, the scripture is the most important thing. Say it with me, the most important thing, the word of God. So let us mark in these verses, and if you're following along in, in your bulletin, those four points, sometimes, you know, I'll call people up and I'll ask them, you know, you remember the points of my sermon? And sometimes I don't even remember them. I need to write them down so I can kind of visualize them because I no sooner get done preaching and I... I start all over again getting ready to preach and getting material together for the next week. So I sometimes don't remember my points. So I want to make sure that you can kind of make a mental record by kind of writing in that outline in the back. But let us mark in these, these verses what encouragement. What encouragement there is to believers to speak to one another about Christ. That's one of the things that I kind of miss about the farm life or maybe the rural life is that most of my friends, you know, when we got together, you know, I've never ever played a deck of cards. I never sat down across from the table and I, I don't know anything about cards. People can talk about cards, you know, I, I know there's a diamond and, you know, there's a queen and a king and stuff like that. But I, I was always so busy either milking cows or putting in the crops or taking out the crops that none of my friends or relatives really ever played cards. Sometimes when I rode the school bus, you know, there were some friends that would play cards and the bus driver would probably take off or slow down too fast and the cards would fall on the floor and then they'd start complaining to the bus driver that they upset their deck of cards or so. But, you know, most of my life was spent kind of just talking, talking about the Lord and just you know, I mean, it, it wasn't until, you know, almost my senior year in high school that I even got out of Todd County. And th that was because we rode our motorcycles from, uh, I graduated quite young at 16. I got my license to drive a farmer permit at 15. And we took off on our motorcycles to the state fair. And that was about the earliest time that I got out of the, the county. Now, some of you that are older than myself, you kind of understand better. My, my kids, my kids, they've traveled all over the world, um, Joy and Hope and Christian. There's, you know, they've been in the military, and I mean, they, they traveled, you know, and they practiced um, their various vocations in various parts of the world, and they've traveled. I, and even to this day with the Air Force, I can go in category B, B and I could travel, but I, I choose just to go back home and kind of talk to some of my living friends, my living friends, and, and some of the elders are so much older than me that, you know, they're not living any longer either, and I still get the, um, my hometown paper, and I could never quite understand why, why people, when they got old, they would turn to the section of the obituaries before any other news. But now that I'm old, one of the first things I do is go to the obituaries and find out if any of my friends, you know, 
are deceased. But we are told of, of two disciples walking together to Emmaus, and they're talking about their, their master's crucifixion. They must have been sad. I can honestly tell you that um, there's very few times in my ministry, there are times, but very few, where people were excited about the death of their loved ones. I mean, they, even Christians, were filled with a sense of grief and loss that they had to give up, or maybe a mother or a father or a husband or a son or daughter through a death or so. Most people, they, they really grieve, but they, I guess they grieve not as those who have no hope. They have hope in the resurrection they're going to see again, and to be absent from the body is present with the Lord, and we should celebrate the fact that there's no, no more tribulation, no more perplexities, no more problems. They've gone on to an immortal body, an imperishable body, where there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death. And then it, we hear these remarkable, I, I find remarkable words, and it says as they communed together, much as you and I are communing together right now, and they began to reason together, reason together, and then Jesus himself drew near, and they went with him, and at this point, they did not know it was Jesus. Now, I've had some people, believe it or not, they're so grief-stricken, they, they haven't recognized their own kids because they're so distraught. I remember serving in South Minneapolis, Asbury United Methodist, almost 50 years ago, and I, I would op often open up, we'd do these tapings, and I'd open up the first few minutes after midnight on Channel 11. And I remember very distinctly talking about this portion of scripture. And one of the retired ministers that was at the church, he lived to be uh, 107, that was Carl Chavinius, who was a Danish um, preacher and was a theologian after Kierkegaard. And, and when his wife died of 70 years, they'd been married 70 years, he was so distraught that he, he hardly recognized his, um, his own children. I remember we, we went to, um, we had already planned that we were gonna go to hear um, Dr. Robert Schuler speak at Hennepin Avenue United Methodist Church. And you probably heard this, me tell you about the story before where we were, um, Dr. Robert Schuler was, we had just met Dr. Robert Schuler and we were walking away from the pulpit and Carl Chavanius passed out. Couldn't get any pulse. We called the ambulance and that they came and they tried resuscitating him and it just seemed like he was gone. And the EMS personnel were kind of hollering in his ear and saying, Carl, Carl, are you all right? And some of the first words Carl said was, he says, um, I may be dying, but I'm not deaf. And he just snapped out of it. Dr. Schuler thought that was the funniest thing that he had heard from a centenarian at the time. But they said, while they communed together and while they reasoned together, Jesus himself drew near, and he went with them. Jesus is near. Nearer than the breath you take right now. Jesus is that near. Nearer than the breath you take. Here I find a, a real conferencing on spiritual subject is, is, a, is the most important means of grace that as we conference and as we talk about spiritual subjects, 
it's the most important means of grace. When, when I started my ministry nearly 50 years ago, I could just see liberalism kind of creeping in. And I could see the disintegration almost of the United Methodist Church that we dealt more with business than we did with Bible and scripture. And, and we actually, when we convened, we, we were wondering if we had enough time in the three days that we were together as ministers, three days in St. Cloud City. We actually, we actually deliberated on the fact, should we have a, a conference speaker, a preacher, conference speaker, preacher, or w would we have time for Bible study? And like I thought, isn't that the reason that we're here? You know, all business and all statistics and uh, just the nausea of, of regurgitating all the things that we did last year rather than s setting a, a game plan to the future. And I, I'm very careful about criticizing the Methodist Church because I, I knew the Lutherans were delivering, deliberating and the Presbyterians and all denominations were being divided over what, how they should use their time conferencing. And oftentimes I think of the scripture that reminds us as iron sharpeneth iron, so does the exchange of Christian thoughts with brethren sharpen a believer's soul. You and I, we need to be sharpening our souls. And it brings down a very special blessing on all who make a practice of it when we get together and we kind of talk about the Lord and we, we share about the Lord. And, and I've, I've kind of noticed that even prayer chains when prayer chains were originally started, they were to be concentrating on prayer. And they become almost a gossip center where we call one another and we almost forget about what we were going to be talking about along prayer. And it became more of a gossip. In the striking words of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, just before Matthew, the striking words of Malachi were meant for the church in every age. Even though there was an interlude between Malachi and Matthew of some 700 years, Malachi said, Then they that feareth the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened. The Lord began to really listen and, and heard it and, and took a, a remembrance of what was, what was written for him, for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name, that as you think upon the Lord's name, you you could begin to count his blessings. But so many people, even in the Christian community, they don't think enough of the Lord to even consider the many blessings that God has given to them. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord. And in that day when I make up my jewels, he considers you and I, when we talk about the Lord as jewels in Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I ask you a question, what do we know of ourselves? What do we know of ourselves? How do we evaluate our spiritual conversations with, with each other and as Christians? It certainly should be easy for people of the church to talk about Christianity, but when the church comes, we, we come to worship, but then we leave to serve. Perhaps we, we read our Bibles at home, and, and according to Harris and Gallup, many of the surveyors People don't even regularly read their Bibles like they used to. We're told that 40% that of the population would, would at least monthly have some spiritual activity. 
before COVID, and it suddenly dropped from 40% to almost 15%, and I hope that people are renewing themselves. Perhaps we read our Bibles, and perhaps we, we pray in private, and as one public means of, of grace, we come to worship. It's all very, very, very well. But if we stop short here, if we stop short here, we neglect a great privilege, and, and we have yet much to learn. We, we ought to, according to Hebrews chapter 10, 24, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 11, we ought to consider, and that's what I'm asking you today, to consider one another to provoke to love and good works. We ought to exhort one another. We ought to edify one another. Have we no time for spiritual conversations any longer? I remember a day and age when you could sit down at a Thanksgiving meal and you were truly thankful for something. And we'd each kind of take a moment of being attentive to what the other said, what they were really thankful for. We've become a thankless society because we're a thinkless society. We don't think about the Lord, so we don't thank one another, and we don't thank the Lord. Have we no time for spiritual conversation? And let us think again. The quantity of time, let us seriously consider. And, you know, I don't criticize any, anybody for soaps, but I remember times when um, I would call and try to set up an appointment and, and someone would say, oh, no, so-and-so soap is on, days of my life, or, you know, some of these things that they talk about, and, and how addicted some people would get to um, days of our lives. Now, I, I got to admit that I get pretty excited about Little House in a Prairie. I just love, you know, because there's some spiritual virtues I find in Little House in a Prairie, and I can watch some episodes, and I can just about tell you what the next lines are going to be. Exhorting one another, edifying one another. Have we no time for spiritual conversations? And let us think again. The quantity of time wasted on frivolous, trifling, and unprofitable talk is, is I fear, fearfully great. You ever wonder why they call them soaps? What did they start out with? Selling soaps. Clean your clothes. But what about cleaning your heart and your holiness, your holiness? Do we, do we feel tongue-tied and, and dumbfounded on the things of Christ? Are we kind of so retarded spiritually that we've lost that, that barometer of saying and taking our temperature and, and spiritual concerns? Surely, if this is a case, there must be something wrong within. A heart right in the sight of God will will generally find words to talk about Christ according to Matthew chapter 12, 34, that out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I remember um, it was time almost 50 years ago when I was a chaplain at the University Hospital and I observed one of the first, um, one of the first kidney transplants. And I remembered when it was a pretty good-sized person and they cut him open I just everything almost shot out you know and I thought how are they going to get that stuff all back in and I thought of Matthew chapter 12 it says out of the abundance of the heart 
the mouth speaketh. When I had my um, mitral valve and they opened up my, my heart and you know, I had a kind of an out-of-body experience in that, I, I just jokingly said to the cardiologist or the, you know, the, the surgeons, you know, is there any way that you can just keep my head alert to what's going on and you know, I can just observe the surgery that's going on? You know, we need to learn a lesson from these two travelers on the road to Emmaus. Let us speak of Jesus. Let us speak of Jesus when we're sitting in our houses and when we're walking by the way and when over and over again we find a disciple to speak to, according to um, Deuteronomy chapter 6-7. You know, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. In so doing, we shall often have one with us who is with us, who is encouraging us, but one who will make our hearts burn within us, burn within us by blessing the conversations. And let us second, secondly, in these cases, how weak, you know, how very weak and imperfect was the, the knowledge of some of our Lord's disciples we are told that the two disciples confessed. They confessed frankly that their expectations had been disappointed by the crucifixion of Christ. They said, we trusted. We trusted, they said, that it had been the one who would have redeemed Israel. It kind of took care of all the problems of the people. And a temporal redemption of the Jews by a conqueror appears to have been the Redemption, which they look for, kind of some political political solutions. But a spiritual redemption by a sacrificial death was, was an idea which their minds could not thoroughly comprehend and, and take in. In an ignorance like this, at first glance and sight is truly astounding, we cannot be surprised at the sharp rebuke which fell from our Lord's lips. Do you imagine that sharp rebuke coming of you or I, um, O fools, he said, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. Yet ignorance like this is deeply instructing. It shows us how little cause we have to wonder at the spiritual darkness which obscures the minds of, of careless, careless Christians, myriads, um, multitudes, multitudes around us are just so ignorant of the meaning of Christ's suffering as as these travelers on the road to Emmaus. Before we criticize the travelers on Emmaus, let's look at our own lives, folks. Let's evaluate our conversations on our way to church. I've had many youth group members say, oh man, dad and mom, man, their conversation, their appearance really altered when they came through the church doors, what they were talking about and what they were thinking about. And as long as the world stands the cross will be such seemingly foolishness to natural man, and that's scriptural. Let us bless God that there may be true grace hidden under um, much intellectual ignorance. Clear and accurate knowledge is, is a most useful thing, but it's not absolutely needful to salvation and may even be possessed without grace. A deep sense of sin, a humble um, Willingness to be saved in God's way, a, a teachable, a teachable readiness to 
to give up our own prejudices when more excellent way is, is shown. These are the principal things. These things the two disciples possessed as they walked, as they were on the walk, they possessed these, and therefore our Lord went with them. It says the Lord went with them and guided them into all truth. And let us mark thirdly, 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 in, in these verses how, how full, how very full of the Old Testament is of Christ. We, we are told that our Lord began, Jesus began teaching the disciples like you and I, we need to be taught at Moses and, and all the prophets and expounded all the scriptures and the, the things that was concerning himself. Here shall we explain, and you know, how can we explain these words if what way our Lord shows things concerning himself, things concerning himself in every part of the Old Testament field? The answer to these questions is very short and it's very simple. Christ was a substance of every Old Testament sacrifice ordained in the Old Testament. Um, Christ was the true deliverer, the true deliverer and king of whom all the judges and all the deliverers in Jewish history were types. Christ was the coming prophet greater than Moses whose glorious advent filled the pages of prophecy. Christ was, was the true seed of the woman who was to bruise the scorpion's, scorpion's head in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus was the seed in whom all nations were to be blessed. Jesus was the true Shiloh to whom all the people were to be gathered. Jesus was the, the true scapegoat, the scapegoat, the true brazen serpent, the true lamb of God to which all were to daily be pointed, and the true high priest of whom even descendants of Aaron, Aaron was a figure. These things, or something like them, we're, we need not doubt were some of the things which our Lord expounded in the way, on the way to um, Emmaus. And let it be a settled principle in our, our minds in reading the Bible that Christ is the central son, S-U-N and S-O-N. We shall see greatly if we err not in our search for spiritual knowledge. For, for if one loses sight of Christ, we shall find the whole Bible as a difficult book to read and understand. The key of Bible knowledge is Jesus Christ. And let us mark finally, and I could say so much more about each and every point, but our time is short. Let us mark finally in these verses how much Christ loves to be entreated, entreated, and expounded and shared by his people, such as the U's and I's. We are told that when the disciples drew nigh to Emmaus, um, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, you know, made as though he would have gone on further by himself. Jesus would have went on further by himself. He would have been fine by himself. But they, they desired to see if they, he desired, desired to see if they were wary of his conversation. But they were not, and Jesus was not. You find two wary individuals that say, no, even though I'm tired, even though I'm worried, let's get together on this. Let's get together on this. And it says they constrained Jesus. They kept him saying, abide with us, abide with us. 
for it is towards evening now, and the day is far spent, and Jesus said he was going to tarry with him. Father, this, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, cases like this are not uncommon in Scripture. Our, our Lord sees it good for us to prove our love by withholding mercies till we ask for them. Jesus does not always force his gifts upon us unsought and unsolicited. Jesus loves to draw out our desires and to compel us to exercise our spiritual affections by waiting for our prayers. We all get tired, we all get fatigued, but Jesus dealt so with Jacob at Peniel. Let me go, he said, for the day breaketh. And, and then came the noble declaration from Jacob's lips, I will not let thee go except thou bless me, according to Genesis 32, 26. In the story of the Canaanite mother, the story of the healing of two blind men at Jericho, and the story of the nobleman at Capernaum, the parables of the unjust judge and friend at midnight are all meant to teach us the same lesson, to show us that our Lord loves to be entreated and, and called upon and likes in, in opportunity. And let us, let us act on this principle in all our prayers. If we know anything of praying, let us ask much. Let us ask much and let us ask often and lose nothing for want of asking. Let us be like the Jewish king who smote three times. Or let us not be like the Jewish king who smote three times on the ground and then stayed his hand and he kind of forgot his prayers. Second Kings 13, 18. But let us rather remember the, the words of David in, in Psalm. David says, Open thou my mouth wide and, and fill it with thy praise, O Lord. It is the person. It's the use and the eyes who put a holy constraint on Christ in prayer, who, who enjoys much of Christ's undivided and unmanifested presence. Father, speak to our hearts and speak to our minds with every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and Facebook. This is a holy time. If you missed anything and everything that I said before, the ABCs of salvation are A, we need to acknowledge that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we need to see, confess him as our Lord and Savior. Just a simple penitent prayer. And if you'd pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Forgive my sin, O Lord. Come to my heart and life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk the walk and to talk the talk. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you'd be so kind to turn to your bulletins, to our offertory prayer, and as we pray this prayer before we turn in our purple hymnals to number 318, if you join me in this prayer, we do not um, pass the offering plates, but the offering plates are available in the back of the church. But let us pray together. Holy God, we continue to hold on to the celebration and the triumph of Easter. As we look back over the past year, we realize that many of us can identify with Thomas's doubt. Can we be the church, the body of Christ, when we can't see the body gathered in our sanctuary? Yet Christ has opened our eyes to his risen body that can't be confined by walls and is not diminished by precautions and social distance. As we make our gifts to you, we affirm the resurrection power that we have seen 
And so we may say again, Alleluia. In the powerful name of Jesus we pray, amen. Would you stand with me now as we turn to our offertory prayer, Christ is Alive, Purple Hymnals, number 318, please. up here and join the choir or take the pulpit or share it with me. Almighty and everlasting God, we, as we've brought our gifts of our time and our talents and our treasures, and we lay, lay them at your altar, we remember the crowds in Jerusalem who laid their cloaks on the road shouting Hosanna as Jesus passed. May we sing Hosanna. May we share Christ as we go forth. And I pray that the blessings of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit would go with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have any announcements that we need to make? Why don't you grab that mic or the pulpit?
If any others that have any announcements, um, feel free to. I do have an announcement to make. I'll tell you, I wasn't here last two weeks because I had COVID, and I'm going to tell you this. The flu I had in 1994 is more deadlier, and had I died in 94, I would have gone to hell because I did not know the Lord. I had an awesome nurse that came in my room. Her name was Christiana, and I will tell you, we had praise and worship and a little Bible study in my room, and one thing the Lord showed me, he showed me many things in that room. One thing in particular I'm going to say to you, when it is our time to go, no amount of water, oxygen, hand sanitizer, vaccines, science, gene manipulation is going to save us. When the Lord says it's our time to go, it's our time to go. And we can't say, but Lord, we have to do this. Like Claudia said to me yesterday, we were talking about this. And I'll say this from John Hagee. The Lord isn't up there playing Monty Hall with us saying, let's make a deal. He's saying, I am the deal. And unfortunately, we have to choose. And when I was in that hospital room, Christiana showed me big time that in scripture, we cannot fear. Because it says over 30 times, we cannot fear. Only the Lord. And I want everyone to keep that in mind. Welcome back. Kathy, did you have anything else or anybody else? I don't think we sang the doxology, do we? Let us sing the doxology. Dr. Joel, do we have some new faces? Well, let's, 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 hi, let's give them a round of applause. Amen. Well, great. We hope that you, um, we get many more youth in. I'm going to start having a children's sermon. We'll have children's sermons, right? Well, may the Lord bless you now and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.